0: Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you for taking some time to join me today. I'm excited to have our guest on the podcast. It's someone that Instagram really wanted me to have on as a guest. I put it out on Instagram a little while ago, to said, hey, do you know of anyone who has had an interesting journey, an inspirational journey to medical school? And their request to have the Curly Med on the podcast did not disappoint. Sabina talks about her journey to medical school, knowing that she wanted to be a physician ever since she was a young girl, and now, In medical school, she talks about that journey, her struggles along the way, and what she has learned and how she has overcome. Sabina, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: I'm excited to chat about your journey to medicine, but I want to start with when you first realized you wanted to be a physician.
1: Ooh. um. So that's a long story. I, I, My parents always tell me that I knew when I was like five, basically, I proclaimed to them that I wanted to be a doctor. Uh, my brothers both had like medical complications at birth. And so I think that's sort of what sparked my interest. But I was a, a genuinely curious human being. And as a kid, the human body was the most interesting thing to me. And so I gravitated towards that and figuring it all out. And then It developed from there why I wanted to get into medicine. But yeah, childhood is where it started for me.
0: You're one of those. I knew from an early age. I am. So a lot of students who have this like early, I always knew I wanted to be a doctor, obviously not everyone goes on, right? That's a very stereotypical childhood mm-hmm. thing. I want to be a doctor and they get their doctor kid at Christmas and whatever. What do you think it was for you that that motivation, that that kind of path always held true for you?
1: Yeah, um, I think... I mean, earlier it was because I was interested in just like the unknown. And then as I got older, I realized the science behind it, which was sort of like the high school phase, and that kept me going. And then once I got into college, I realized like the classic I can help people slash make an impact. Um and that led to, to public health and and all of that. And so I think for me, what kept me going was just seeing how intricate the medical field is and, and the the width. Um of impact that I could have as a physician um beyond just knowing more about the human body and the science behind it but really the public health aspect of it was what kept me going.
0: Uh, was there ever a point in your journey where you like were like well maybe there's this other thing that is kind of interesting to me let me go explore that maybe?
1: Um Kind of, but it was more so like a self-doubt thing, honestly, because um, around junior year of college, I was starting to think, is this possible, um, given where I was at at the time? And then I started to think maybe vet school because I love animals um, or maybe just purely like a public health route, you know, like being a public health professional. Um, But then I just sort of got looped back in after uh, a personal healthcare experience. And then after shadowing, I was like, nope, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there.
0: When, when you are going from high school to college, a lot of students are trying to figure out everything, trying to figure out what they want to do. You going into college, knowing kind of like, this is what I want. How did that shape where you went to school and what major you selected and all that stuff?
1: Yeah, it shaped it a lot, actually. Um, I So I went to uh, the University of Pennsylvania for undergrad, and I was choosing between there and um, a more liberal arts-focused school. And one of the large reasons why my parents and I ultimately decided for UPenn is because of the research opportunities and the science opportunities that it would you know, allow me. Um, so that definitely was influenced by my wanting to be pre-med. Um, and then in terms of major, I knew going in that I would have some sort of gender and sexuality studies in my studies. Um, And that was my original major. But then I took a neuroscience course and I fell in love with that. And it just so happened to be the pre-med major at Penn. And so I switched to doing a major in neuro and then a minor in gender studies. So all of it was influenced by my wanting to be a doctor.
0: A neuroscience nerd, huh?
1: I was. I was. Uh. Well, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Is, was, always, will be. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. What was it like to be a pre-med? Obviously, Penn is an amazing school. What was it like to be a pre-med in that sort of uh, what what I would assume would be a pretty competitive culture at Penn?
1: Mm-hmm. It was intense for sure. Um, and I think it contributed a lot to how I ultimately did at the school because I wasn't used to having that sort of competitive um Environment around me. You know, high school was pretty easy to get through. And then I got to Penn and, you know, um, had to shift how I studied and all of that to keep up with everyone. And I ultimately did fall behind, uh, which was a struggle. And then everyone was just like light years ahead of me. And it just contributed to how I felt about myself. So it was hard, definitely. I'm not going to like say it was easy. Um, But I think that experience really helped to get me to where I am now. Even if I look back and I think, wow, that was not the best. In the world
0: for me. <laughs> so it's it's an interesting that that last comment because I was gonna ask, like, would you potentially knowing what you had to go through at Penn, would you have potentially chosen a, a quote unquote easier school, knowing that the path might have been a little bit easier?
1: Uh ooh, people ask me this all the time. Uh, I don't think, I don't think I would have, because I don't think I would be who I am today and have the same worth ethic that I do had I not gone through the struggles that I went through at Penn. Um, Of course, it would have been nice to not have gone through that and to sort of, you know, done super well and and gotten into med school easier and all that stuff. But I I think I have the drive and the motivation that I have now because of what I experienced as an undergrad.
0: What was the biggest struggle for you?
1: Uh, Overcoming the initial like setback. So I, I fell behind pretty quickly freshman year and I didn't know how to ask for help. I was embarrassed about all of it. And I was watching everybody else excel. And so imposter syndrome was probably the hardest for me mm-hmm. and learning how to, to seek help and, and know that it's okay to like, not be okay was probably the hardest.
0: What was it that finally made you reach out?
1: Uh junior year. So going back to that time when I was sort of like, is Med's still the right thing for me. i I took a deep dive into like kind of soul search a little bit. and I was and when I ultimately landed on this is actually what I'm going to do for real. Um, no more joking around. i I was like, I can't do it myself. I've been trying for two years and it's not working. so I need to reach out to people. Um, and and that's when I ultimately buckled down and became very, very serious. I was serious before, mm-hmm. but I was trying to do it myself, and that's just not possible on this route.
0: Do you think, do you think it's a culture at that school or just you yourself, not necessarily ever having needed in the past to reach out for help that prevented you from reaching out for help?
1: I think it's both for sure. Um, I honestly think it's probably like a 60, 40 split 60 being myself and 40 being the culture of Penn specifically. Um, but ultimately like if I had, found it in myself to ask for help earlier, I think I would have been okay, regardless of the culture. Um, so that's why I'm placing the onus more so on myself than the school.
0: Yeah. For the students struggling at their school right now, what, what advice would you have, uh, in terms of who to reach out to and, and how to reach out for that help?
1: Yeah. Um, I think a good place to start is with your advisor, um, whether that's a pre-med advisor or not, you know, we can talk about pre-med advisors, but, um, you know, seek that kind of help. And um, if you're just struggling with like classes specifically, professors, go to them, go to your TAs. Um, Don't be embarrassed to like talk to them about your issues. They're there for you and to help you, which I learned, um, you know, once I did start talking to them, I realized that they were on my side, <laughs> not against me. And, and that was, that contributed largely to my upward swing uh, junior and senior year for sure. Well,
0: let's, let's talk about advisors since you, you mentioned that with with a little <laughs> bit of a, a, a something in your voice there. So just like anything in life, right? There's good doctors, there's bad doctors, there's good advisors, there are, there are good advisors and there are bad advisors. When you were seeking out an undergrad institution to go to, was that something you specifically looked into the the pre-health office and pre-med advising?
1: No, it wasn't at all. I honestly didn't even know that that was something I should look into.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and so I didn't even think to consider it. I didn't know it existed, honestly, until my junior year.
0: <laughs> Why is that, do you think?
1: Um, I think it just went back to like me being in my own bubble. And once I fell behind, I was like embarrassed to sort of peep my head out and, and seek help. And so I just was in a little hole the whole time. Yeah. Freshman through sophomore year.
0: So a lot of students have stories, uh, unfortunately of going to their pre-med advisor for the first time and with potentially not the best stats, uh, which it sounds like maybe you were in that situation and being told there, you should pick something else. Uh, mm-hmm. was that something that you encountered?
1: 100% yes. Um, so by the time I did find out about the office and set up an initial appointment with my advisor, um, I had a a 2.9 or 2.8 GPA, I think, mm-hmm. um, not like cumulative. Uh, it might've actually been a little bit lower than that. Cause I think I ended with a 2.8 okay. and they saw my numbers and I told them I was pre-med and I was very serious about it. And they <laughs> Heavily tried to persuade me otherwise, um, didn't present me with my options. You know, didn't care about all the other things I had going for me, regardless of the numbers. And they were just like, "You, you should not do this. It's not going to be possible." And I did not return to them.
0: <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, it's a very common story. And and I just got back from a conference having a a really uh, a good conversation with a pre med advisor who was talking to me about my message around advisors and. And I am very negative about bad advisors. And uh, there are amazing advisors out there. And I hear from a lot of students who, who have great advisors. And I talk to a lot of great advisors. And so my, my message is never around or shouldn't be construed around staying away from advisors. But if you do encounter advisors that aren't going to support you, then definitely run fast and far yes. away. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, so what, what is that like, right? You're, you're this student, you're finally reaching out for help and they're like, Haha, yeah, no, you're not, it's not going to happen.
1: Yeah. It was rough. I remember having a long phone call with my mom after that first, um, advising session, but I wasn't, um, I wasn't like discouraged. Uh, I, I knew that I was going to try regardless of what they said. And I think that just Went back to like the internal shift that I had mentally in terms of my drive and my grit going into this next phase of being pre med. Um, so I took that and I kind of used it as fuel to, to sort of like prove them otherwise, for lack of a better phrase. And I sought other help. So I went to like, so at Penn, you, you can have a pre med advisor if you need one. And then you also just have like your general college advisor. And so I sought a general college advisor um, after doing my own research into like my options as a pre med in my situation. And I took my plan to her. Um, and then she sort of like championed me and, and sort of coached me or not really coached because she didn't know much about pre-med, but she just sort of like gave me pep talks and stuff. And so I sought help outside of the pre-med advising world.
0: Good. That's awesome. Now, a lot of, a lot of students don't get into medical school with two, eight, two, nine GPAs. So what sort of work did you have to do to potentially overcome that?
1: Yeah. So I had, um, I think my ultimate, my uh, final GPA at Penn was like a 2.8 overall, and then a 2.55 science GPA. Um, and so I knew that I had to do a post back or a special master's program or, or a master's program. And I applied to all three of those. Um, I knew that my extracurriculars were solid. I had great leadership, I had consistency, I was passionate, all of that stuff. So I wasn't worried about that half. It was really just a numbers game that I was playing. Um, and so I applied to all three of those types of programs. And um, ultimately, it was only accepted to one master's program, not special masters, just like a, a normal master's program. Mm-hmm. Um and I ran with that. It was my only option. And, you know, obviously like a post back would have boosted my undergrad GPA directly, but yeah. I didn't get that option. So I ran with my masters. I killed it. I got a 4.0 in it. What
0: um, was the masters of?
1: A master's of science in biology. Okay. Yeah. And then I um went on after that to take my MCAT and I needed to do decently as well. I ended up getting a 509, um, which was, yeah, like that was, it was good enough for me. I think, um, I didn't want to retake it. So I was like, I'm going to try with this number. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I just stayed consistent and passionate and motivated throughout the whole thing. Um, you know, I ended up getting a master's of public health, but I would have gotten that regardless of where I was on the, the med school journey. I was either going to do a dual degree or do it before. And I had the extra time. So I just did it before. Um, yeah,
0: that's awesome. What was it for you that, that switched in your head, whether it's study techniques or just mental toughness that, that allowed you to get that 4.0 versus what you were doing in your undergrad?
1: Oh yeah. So I was very nervous going into my master's program because of how I did at Penn and sciences. Um, and for me going into that first semester, they actually accepted me, um, on probation. So I needed to get a, a certain average um to pass and i also needed to take orgo which was something i withdrew from at penn so i was just i had a lot of anxiety going into it uh cuz a lot was riding on that first semester and i knew this was my only chance. And so that was one thing that contributed to my motivation to do well. I wasn't going to mess around because this was my one chance to do well. Um, and I switched completely how I studied for one thing I studied, uh, I didn't study in undergrad. Uh, so I started to study a lot more and I, I would studied in a way that worked for me. So, um, you know, taking notes, but like taking active notes, using the whiteboard, using teach back to my classmates, all of that. And I became really close friends with my professors. And that ultimately helped me because, again, when I needed help, I could just go to them and ask them and not feel that embarrassment that I felt at Penn.
0: You mentioned you didn't study in undergrad. Let's, I want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, why didn't you study?
1: Well, I think that's an exaggeration. I studied, (laughs) I mean, I passed, I got a degree, Um, but I didn't study nearly as well as I should have. And for me, this is like the first two years, freshman and sophomore year, I was doing so well extracurricularly and I was doing so not well academically that I put all of my energy into extracurriculars because I felt good about it.
0: Yeah. And so then when that's where you were getting positive feedback from. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And then when it came time to do well or to study for my exams, I, uh, you know, I would cram, um, I wouldn't really try that hard. I do the bare minimum, yeah. and I got I, did, I got the bare minimum to get a degree, um, but you know that's not good enough for med school.
0: <laughs> do you think that was uh, what I typically refer to as one of the most common mistakes that incoming college students make? Is is focusing too early on those extracurriculars and not learning how to be a college student? Do you think? it was, it was the combination of that. And then once you started down that path, it was like, Oh, it feels good to do this. I'm going to keep doing that. And I don't like looking at the grades I'm getting from classes. So I'm just going to avoid that.
1: Yeah. I think I did fall into that trap for sure. I don't think I started too early on the extracurriculars. Um, It's more so that once I did start, um, I, I started around second semester of freshman year. I just was doing so much better and, and I felt good and I liked doing it that I just sort of ran with that and forgot that I was actually there to learn stuff. Um, and so I did fall into that trap, so to speak. And I forgot how to balance and do all the things that I was doing well in high school. Um, and it's just so different in college. So
0: very different and even, even more different in medical school as I'm Mm -hmm. sure you're aware of now. So, I want to go back to the the extracurriculars that you're doing through undergrad. What was it like to to get the experience you're getting and and using that potentially as as motivation to continue down this path, right? Because as we mentioned, right academically, you're not getting that sort of positive feedback. But what were you doing extracurricular wise to get that that reassurance that you you needed to stick uh, stick through this?
1: Extracurricular, I was actually not doing much like healthcare related. I shadowed a couple times, but I think I had a max of like 10 hours of shadowing. Um, And mostly I was event planning and um, I was working in the community. So I taught in West Philadelphia to elementary and high school level kids. And I found that just to be very rewarding, all of those things. Um, So for the event planning, I was on student government. And we basically took the recreational part of tuition fees that students pay, and that was our budget. And we planned events, um, you know, traditional school events, free movies, which was my jam, um, and bringing in celebrities and all of that. And I'm very organized and very passionate about event planning. And so I loved doing that. And then teaching science to um, children who otherwise would not have that resource was just an amazing feeling because, um, you know, I was teaching kids who like looked like me and who might not otherwise have like had a a teacher who looked like them and all of that. And so it was just a rewarding thing all around that I was also good at. Um, And I led there as well, coming up with lesson plans. And that all kept me going through undergrad.
0: Now, I want to talk with you for a second. I was listening to a podcast with the current Surgeon General of California. She's Mm -hmm. uh, a woman of color and first Surgeon General of of California, which is awesome. And she was on a podcast talking about as a woman of color, she was basically told like, you don't have to work hard. You don't have to try hard. You don't need a great MCAT score. You don't need great grades. You're a woman of color. They're going to want you anyway. Did you ever receive any of that messaging going through this journey?
1: No, I can't think off the top of my head of anybody ever saying that to me. Um, I think, well, actually, I retract that statement. I think I can think of a couple of times when people would say that because they would cite like statistics that the AMC puts out every yeah. year. And they'd say, like, you only need to get this number because you're like black and because you're like gay. But I never really listened to any of that. Good. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I always wonder what sort of disservice that we do publishing that data, right? Because it's like uh, studies have shown right? telling a student, oh, as a, as a person of color, you're not going to do well on this test. And that just perpetuates the problem versus saying everyone does terribly on this mm-hmm. test. And then it's like, OK, we're, we're all going to do bad, so I'm going to try my best. So it's, it's right. a very interesting dilemma that we have. Mm hmm. Yeah, so,, sure. but, but i I was at this this conference this past weekend and and had dinner with the Double AMC, uh, several representatives from the AMC And I talked to them about this. like, what what sort of research are we doing to to figure out why we have ESL students or or English as a third language students just doing terribly on the car section or why? um, uh, we have students of color doing, doing significantly, uh, less scoring less on the MCAT than, than their Caucasian counterparts. So it's, it's interesting. And I wonder how much work they're putting into that, but that's, uh, that's for another podcast episode, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other topic to get into. <laughs> that, that, is,
0: that is a whole another topic, a whole, a whole another <laughs> onion to peel back. Um, so you're going through your, your master's program, you're getting a 4.0. What sort of, of doubt or confidence did you have applying to medical school, knowing that that undergrad GPA was still there, still potentially going to haunt you?
1: I had a ton of doubt, um, going into applying. I was almost certain I'd have to apply again, um, because of that undergrad GPA. And so... It, it's, it's unique for me because I had to take Orgo in my master's program. And so that counted as an undergraduate class. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of had a little post-bac action where my undergrad cumulative and science GPAs were bumped a little bit. Um, but they were still, you know, my science GPA was still a 2.81 overall. And I think my cumulative GPA bumped up to like a 3.01 or something like that. Oh, so just, it was still,
0: just over the yeah. edge.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just, just enough. Um, And so it was still very low. And I had the 4.0 of both my master's programs to counter that. Mm -hmm. And I had the 509 GPA. So numbers-wise, I knew I was playing a very risky game. And I I, you know, I'm a statistics person. And so I looked at the stats and I was like, this is a a game that I'm playing now. I put a I put a lot of effort into like making my application really well written and doing all that I could to sort of buffer those numbers. Um, but I had doubt going in only because of my numbers honestly i knew other than my numbers that i was a good candidate um but that sort of didn't feel good going into it because i didn't think that they represented me at all yeah. my undergrad numbers i should say
0: yeah so as f- for your application i i know i've i've had several uh several students on the podcast who identify as part of the lgbt community and and we've had different discussions about do do you quote unquote, come out of the closet in your applications? Is that something you leave out of your, your applications? What was that decision for you?
1: Um, it was a decision that I thought about for three seconds and then I <laughs> decided, yes, <laughs> yeah. because um, you. how I, how I identify, um, relates so strongly to my why for medicine now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, there was no way for me to leave it out. It it's very clear in my personal statement, how I identify, um, it's clear throughout my entire application. It's what I want to do with my career long-term. And I knew that if a school was going to see that and not want me that that's a school that I wouldn't want to go to anyways. And so I threw it out there, um, as a way to, to sort of see who bites. Right. And like, you know, if you want me and you and you're able to support me and how I identify and students at your school who also are in with the LGBT community, then that's going to be a good fit for me. And I don't want to go to somewhere that isn't going to be able to provide me with those um, that type of support.
0: When you were going through your your interviews or interview, I don't know if you got more than one. Um, how much did that come up in, in the discussion?
1: Yeah. Um, so I had six interviews Amazing. and I. Uh, so my like my my grades didn't really come up that much because some of the, I want to say like four of the six interviews didn't have access to my numbers. So they, they couldn't see my um, GPAs or my MCAT score. Okay. Um, but at the end, they would always ask like, is there anything that you want us to take back to the committee? And I'd very vaguely, because I knew that the committee would see my numbers, I'd very vaguely be like, uh, just like, let the committee know that I'm more than my numbers, and <laughs> I'm I'm a I'm gonna make a good doctor and all of that stuff. But the interviewers never really asked me. Um, the two that could see my numbers uh, asked me very briefly, like, "Oh, we see that you have this tremendous upward trend. Can you talk about what you did to to make that shift?" And that was pretty much all that I got from there.
0: Yeah, and and that's really it. I, a lot of students. Will freak out? They're like, they're going to interrogate me about my grades. They're like, no, you're there for the interview. They've seen that you've obviously figured something out, and uh, they're they're going to be okay, right?
1: Yeah, (laughs) I was worried that they would bring it up, Um, but I got the comfort of knowing that they wouldn't see my numbers for those ones that didn't see it, and then it was just a strategic thing to sort of bring it up myself. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the ones that did see my numbers, they didn't bring it up that much either. So I was surprised as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What do you think was the hardest part of being a pre med student, whether it's undergrad or during your master's programs?
1: I think staying the course, so especially with the route that I took, staying determined and sort of passionate and gritty throughout the whole thing was definitely the hardest part because I'd see my friends get into med school straight from undergrad or you know a year or two out, and I was three years out. I took three gap years um, trying to get into med school. Um, other peers are like off getting full-time jobs, living their lives, et cetera. And I'm still a student. And so staying focused and motivated throughout the whole thing was simultaneously the hardest and also easiest part, I think for me, because I was so determined to get to where I wanted to be. Um, but it, you know, at times it was definitely difficult.
0: Yeah. Now you have, uh, an online presence on Instagram, at least that I know of at, at the curly med, what is your motivation in in putting yourself out there, especially w- now in medical school with with uh, I'm assuming medicine and and hopefully you're studying in medical school uh, <laughs> of the just the the time commitment that that takes?
1: My initial motivation for starting my Instagram account. I started it right before I submitted my AMCAS application um was because I was seeking out people online who had gone through something like me and I just wasn't finding it. And so I was like, I'm going to be this person for whoever needs it. And I'm also going to track my journey, whether or not it lands me a spot at med school or not. I want people to see like going from beginning to end, what it's like to come from a sub 3.0 GPA to hopefully a seat in med school. Um, and luckily it ended up with a seat in med school, but at the time I didn't know where it would land. Um, so that was my initial motivation was to sort of provide advice and guidance for people who were in a similar boat as me. Um, and in med school to continue that journey, it's, it's actually... I'm posting less now because I don't have as much time. I am studying. I'm doing fine. (laughs) Um, But to continue posting and keep it up is to similarly just remain sort of like as a motivator and a mentor to people who are still pre-meds. Just let them know that you can go from wherever you are as a pre-med, whether or not you're doing well and continue to do well in med school. Um, I'm in week nine, so I don't know how it'll keep going but right now I'm doing well so I plan to keep doing well
0: well you are obviously impacting people because when I put it out on Instagram to say hey who should I have on the podcast I was overwhelmingly hit with you need to talk to the curly pre-med at the time Uh, I think it was still the curly pre-med um but but now now the curly med and so I reached out to you and here you are so thank you for coming on
1: Yeah. Who's
0: been who's been your biggest support through this journey?
1: Uh, My family, my girlfriend and my friends, for sure. Um, Kind of a cliche answer, but but they've been there by my side the whole time and and have always sort of given me the pep talks that I needed when I was feeling really down on myself. I've also had great mentors um, post post pen like uh, grad school mentors have been amazing and they've also coached me and, and, and cheered me on. So having that support system has been invaluable.
0: That's awesome. What do you say to the student who's struggling right now through their journey, wondering if they can overcome their sub three O GPA on their, their path to medical school?
1: I think it's important to realize that it's possible. Um, it might take a while and it's, definitely going to take a lot of hard work. It's not going to come easy. Um, And I think that's something that if you're serious about being a doctor and getting into med school, you need to realize the amount of work that it's going to take to overcome those numbers. Um, Like, yes, I landed a seat at Pitt Med, but the amount of work, blood, sweat, and tears that went into getting here was I can't even like explain to you how hard I worked to get here. Um, And so I think I, I want people to know that it's possible. Stay motivated, stay determined, um, but also be willing to put in the work uh, because it's definitely necessary.
0: All right, there you have it again, Sabina. You can find her on Instagram at the Curly Med. Again, the Curly Med on Instagram. Thank you, Sabina, for taking some time out of your busy medical school journey to share your story to hopefully motivate and inspire the next generation of physicians. I hope you got a lot of great information out of our episode today. Again, if you know anyone who has an inspirational story to share here on the podcast, send them my way. I'm at medicalschoolhq on Instagram or just shoot me an email, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years.